sorry, man. The uh, the rat bastards drank all the coffee again. This is a recurring theme I at your know. house. I go there. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, so I had to make another pot. But like Julia, she won't she won't make a pot while the pot is still hot from the last pot. I mean, it's a small pot. We have three of us drinking coffee in the morning. It's out of control. You know what you need? A, a maid. A <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, unisex name for a servant? There you go. Servant. Yes. That's, that's pretty uh, demeaning, though. Servant? But that's your job. Yeah. No, that's, that's your own mind putting, attaching things to it. The job is a servant. You're serving me. Serve me my uh, what coffee. About, what about coffee monkey? Uh, no, that's perfectly fine, too. <laughs> is it an actual monkey? If it's an actual monkey, then yes. It's, <laughs> come on. <laughs> For some people, that is actually a compliment. <laughs> they strive to get to the level of coffee monkey. <laughs> it's just actually coffee monkey is the alternative to coffee bitch, which you can apply to almost anything. You can say uh, snow bitch. That's the person who removes my snow. The sandwich, bitch. This. That's my wife. No. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's for all I'm the politically sure, correct millennials. I'm sure the people are looking for their <laughs> podcast bitches to get the show started. Okay. Let's do this. No, we, we are actually podcast servants. Yes. I'm sure the people are looking for their podcast servants <laughs> to get the show started. Actually, we're podcast monkeys, so... <laughs> Actually, um, you know, I, I get pretty nerdy from time to time, and I, I was looking some stuff up about us. I, I, that's not nerdy. There, that's, we, called, yeah, we had some, that's called egocentric, uh, selfish, obsessed with self-obsessed. That's what that's called. That's not nerdy at all. <laughs> so I was looking up, you know, what people were saying on us out there on the webs. Rat and I did, I did find another guy, you know, talking talking some smack about us. Yeah, which I think is good. You've always said that. Hey, please talk smack. Y- yeah. You gotta you, you gotta not worry about that stuff and focus yes. on it. And when you find a couple people that don't totally dig what you do, that means you, you you're getting into that niche that's just further defining who you really are, and you're you're making the show more centered for the people that do really enjoy it. So it's not that I was hurt by the negative re- reviews. Yeah. But I didn't understand. He was giving us a hard time for our intro. Oh, well, we've heard that and before. That, and and that a sometimes, lot of people do that. I mean, to all, that, all the podcasts out there. I The podcasts I listen to have some pretty, I mean, pretty long, just the regular intro is long. Every every show it's this, it's the same intro, but it's like five minutes, and you're going, "What the hell?" And and the guy takes a lot of flack, but he's like, "I'm not changing it. I love this intro, and I get a lot of compliments actually too." And so, so do we. Yeah. yeah, people love our intro. I'm in love with it. And intro. and by the way, it's one minute. <laughs> I, I ain't got time for that. Homes. I mean, it's one minute. Yeah. Your your phone's got advanced 30 seconds. Just, yeah, just really, pop you it. Just touch your, <laughs> you touch your screen twice if it's really that bad. But it's literally one minute. How how terrible is your life that one minute is what pisses you off? <laughs> how rough are things going? He's probably a lot like Hitler, this guy. <laughs> I had to throw Hitler in there, sorry. And uh, I had to compare him to Hitler. Now, some people love the fact that we ramble on for a couple of minutes about about life and and relating life to scuba diving. A lot, but some people go, "Come on, can you just get to the point already?" Well, you know, there is this thing called, you know, change the channel, sw- turn it off. You <laughs> right? Know? There's other shows to listen to. It, it reminds me of uh, the story about sandwiches. Did I ever tell you this story about the construction nope. worker? No. Oh, really? 
I thought I said this one. Dude. Anyway, no. two construction workers. They work side by side for years and years. Every day, uh, one guy comes in with a bag lunch and, and he opens it up. And every day, he complains. Peanut butter and jelly, same thing. Every day, God damn it, peanut butter and jelly. God, I hate peanut butter and jelly. Why do I? I got another peanut butter and jelly. So that his buddy's like, why don't you just ask your wife to make you a different sandwich? I, I don't understand. He goes, uh, I make my own sandwiches. We all make our own sandwiches. Do you get it? We all make our own sandwiches. That's right. Reminds me of another story. That's, that's, <laughs> that's profound. Well... It's. Uh, I'd like to take credit for it. It's an old. Wait, old wait, story. wait, 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 wait. This is. The, but that story ago. was all wrong for our show. Really all wrong. It should have yeah, been. Yeah. Let me tell. Did I ever tell you the story about the sandwiches? No. Oh, uh, these two dive masters are sitting on the boat. They're having, <laughs> having lunch. There you One go. opens up his. Uh, he opens up his bag. He's got peanut butter jelly sandwich. I never told you the story. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's bitching. <laughs> tuna fish sandwich. I got a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> oh, I thought it was peanut butter and jellies. Tuna fish. Okay. No, this guy is a totally different story. Okay, so he was bitching because he normally has peanut butter and jelly and he it, got tuna fish. No, he's always gets tuna fish sandwiches. Oh, okay. And his buddy says, Why don't you just ask your wife to make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And he goes, I make my own sandwich. I never told you this. <laughs> no, that's an awesome story. It's very profound. There's a lot to learn in that story. We all make our own sandwiches. We all make our own sandwiches, people. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, where we don't just talk about sandwiches, we talk about scuba diving. And sandwiches. <laughs> You're here with peanut butter and <laughs> jelly brando. You, you probably aren't familiar with the uh, peanut butter jelly cartoon for the ch- the kids that I've had to watch. No, no, yeah. we, we disassociate with all things peanut butter. My wife has a Oh, yeah. Allergy. You don't even watch it. On, this is a cartoon. I don't even, this is this how is bad her allergy is. We don't even watch peanuts So if like a, a, a GIF commercial comes on, you got to leave the room. <laughs> Run! Get to the shelter now if you want to live. <laughs> yes, exactly. But hey, we had a, a really nice run in 2021 of cave diving month. It was a good time. But like all good things, it must come to an end. So yeah, so cave diving comes to an end. We had a good, good, fun run, ending with a great Sheck story. A lot of good feedback, a lot of good links to good articles and videos and some really fun stuff we got in uh, along the way. And I'm already looking forward to next year. And I, you know what? I'm not 100% totally ready to get off the talk of this overhead world and the fact that it is the heart of ice diving season right now and, and the fact that we're going up north to do some ice diving. I figured we should move into a little ice talk. Well, I think uh, next week begins an International Ice Diving Month. Week. It hasn't. Maybe week. That, now that hasn't grown to intergalactic yet. Intergalactic. Pangalactic uh, universal ice diving week. Now that I, I saw that the 
Great Dive Podcast Mars Rose, Rover Perseverance is on another planet looking for ice for us right now for next year. Well, there you go. In celebration of pan-galactic ice diving week. Now, I was playing around on the internet looking up some ice diving images. There's some pretty cool ice diving shots out there. It's, I would say that, to me, that's one of the coolest parts about ice diving is the ability to come away with pictures that you just... You can't get anywhere. You cannot get any other way. Agreed. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a small window we have, right? That's why we take, try to take advantage of it. But sometimes we don't get ice up there at all. So when it does come... And it's thick enough to actually work on and dive under. Uh, you got to take advantage of it. And uh, well, it's been three years since yeah, we've been. Yeah, it's a great uh, way to. Yeah, great way to get some really cool silhouette shots that you don't get. Uh, great way to get a an environment that you you rarely can get. Uh, a lighting that you can rarely get. It's it's some cool stuff. That's why we do. That's why I do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging diving, but some of the uh, coolest stuff you'll see as far as diving and in that environment that you'll see is uh, awesome. Different. Yeah. I want to see something cool along the way. Uh, just to jump in the water to go ice diving at this point is getting harder and harder every year. <laughs> That's a mental thing. You're, you're putting up a oh, mental block. <laughs> it is no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh. Uh, but if I've got something cool, I know I'm going to come away with some good memories and some good photos I'm in. Um, if I'm doing a class and I can pass this knowledge and lineage of how we do things down to another group of people to continue on our tradition that you and I have built over the last uh, couple decades, you know, that's fun to me. Yeah. Freezing my ass off to the point where I can no longer use my appendages for the fun of 20 minutes underwater that enjoyment has left me a little bit 20 it's at least 30 um yeah well you know the downsides of ice diving are are cold and hurdy stuff and it's a lot more work i mean cutting that hole is no joke uh right even with the chainsaw it's gonna wear you out a little bit but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of work. It's equipment intensive. You got to haul all the shit out and work through the snow and ice and all that kind of crap. But um, if you're prepared, I don't think it's too bad. I mean, if you have all yeah, the equipment, that... you have enough people, it's great. Yeah, definitely a game of being prepared, right? Pre dive mm-hmm. planning, having all the stuff necessary. Because, you know, you got to, when you get in that hole, you can't take five minutes to sort out your waiting, to, you know, sort out your buoyancy, to to get comfortable. Like, you got to have all that stuff in check, taken care of, ready to go, equipment questions and concerns. That all's got to be squared away because especially when you're in a group of six, eight people trying to use that hole in a cycle the way the the official class is you've got six other people that you're putting into you know some pain and discomfort (laughs) so i've got a good story from divein.com by a thomas granfeld sanger ice overhead he says an introduction to ice diving and uh seeing that we got uh, some newbies coming up with us to Enjoy a little ice experience. We're going to kind of use this as a nice little outline to keep us on track with our little ice conversation today. He's got some uh, good points in here, stuff uh, that everybody definitely wants to know if you're thinking about doing an ice diving class this year or in the the future. Uh, He says, when the weather turns cold, many scuba divers hang up their kit and hibernate for the winter. It doesn't have to be like that, though. And he gives a nice little introduction and how you can get started and uh, what you can expect to experience if you wanted to go do some ice diving. He mentions that ice diving is an advanced form of technical diving that takes place in situations where the surface of the body of water you're diving has frozen solid. Because of this, ice diving 
is happening in a place where a frozen ceiling that prevents you from surfacing in case you run low on air or if some other form of emergency presents itself. Therefore, both exiting for some scuba divers and more dangerous than your average recreational dive. Agreed. Just the environment is more dangerous. The ice in the water, you're moving around with heavy gear on your back. There's a hole. Getting, yeah, yeah, getting in and out of the water, you got a chance for slipping and falling and oh yeah, whacking, whacking yourself unconscious, breaking a leg. Yeah, that surface environment, Not, James, is is very. You got to be really safety conscious there. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a serious conversation to have about. It's not just jumping in cold water. There is the fact that you are in a very unique overhead environment. True. That is that is similar in many ways to being in an overhead environment like a cave or inside of a shipwreck. And at the same time, it's com- a completely different overhead environment that creates its own hazards. Yeah, just the, um, you know, the way a, a cave formation is versus the way the ice is. It's like open water under and overhead versus a tunnel or something that funnels you into different places. So right. that's a huge I- distinction. I mean, you can go into a very, very big room while cave diving, but even the biggest room while cave diving is not going to be as big as the whole entire damn lake. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you don't have the luxury of using that those physical walls around you to in an emergency to get you back home, right? So if you lose buoyancy or get off of a line somehow, especially if you're just out in the middle of a lake. It's one thing if you're entering along a shoreline where you can use a little bit of navigation, compass navigation, topographical navigation, natural navigation to get you back to an area where you entered. But just a hole out in the middle of a body of water to get lost and separated is a is a proverbial needle in the haystack that you'd never want to have to experience. So he talks a bit about where do I find ice diving courses? And Tomas says, ice diving is an advanced form of diving that shouldn't be undertaken without proper training. All of the major organizations have ice diving courses, and these are highly recommended. Getting certified by experienced instructors will give you a chance to find out more about what could go wrong in order to have... uh, in order to avoid having to try it for yourself. Some ice diving scuba clubs insist you have at least your advanced open water certification in order to start your ice diving course. He mentions good buoyancy control is a necessary skill, so judge for yourself if you're ready. Yeah, pretty much some level of advanced training is going to be required for taking a class as a prerequisite, showing mostly that you've got at least some experience beyond just your open water certification card. Right. You need time in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need time in the water to be, you know, you need to have all those jitters that new divers have with, you know, being comfortable that they're definitely coming home (laughs) just in a place where they can come to the surface anywhere in in the water, let alone come to the same mooring line or come to the same side of the, quarry or lake that they're on right it's a different level of awareness when you have to be aware of the exact hole you have to come out right even though you are tethered right yeah you are tethered but you still you do need to be aware of your you know your surroundings uh where you're at uh sometimes there's you know overhead uh obstructions ahead you know the old chunk of ice that was in a hole that sometimes gets pushed away um, from previous ice dives even, it'll freeze up there. Yeah, that'll snag your line, and you have to know that. I mean, be aware yeah, of it and, at least. And that's what you should be learning in a class, right? Not every ice hole entry is going to be exactly the same. You might be doing an ice dive from shore. You might be doing an ice dive from a uh, uh, middle of, of the lake like we were talking about. You might be doing an ice dive in a, in a river where there's moving water. Not every ice dive is going to have virtually unlimited visibility where you can see all the way back to the hole. I mean, I mean, we've done dives in, in some lakes where you get in and it's 
worse visibility. It's generally not the case. Generally, you're doing the ice dive because you're you're expecting to have much better visibility. But I've been under the ice where it's been inches of visibility. Right. Well, that that dive we took uh, out to the west side of the state in that little uh, what's that lake? Lake. It's named after girl. Mona. Mona. Yes. Mona. Now that viz. That was that was milk, chocolate, chocolate milk. milk. Right, that was chocolate milk of about two inches. Right, but we Not did all fun. the work. We did. We cut the hole. We got all the gear out there. We had to go in and take a look. It was kind of a, a little bit of disappointment, but um, yeah. So swim around and uh, just look at the ice <laughs> exactly. in a very microscope type of a view. Right. That's not usually the case, though, either, is it? I mean, it's usually much improved viz from what it is normally in the summer months, right? So, well, maybe actually, maybe the normal viz in that lake was two millimeters, right? So, so this two inches was remarkably better. <laughs> maybe we were diving in a sludge lake, uh, but usually one of the great benefits of ice diving is the spectacular viz. That's why it's so great for uh, for uh, photographers. Right? Yeah, that's why you're doing it. No doubt about it. He mentions good buoyancy, right? And a lot of people kind of take that for granted a little bit, thinking that they're on a tether, that that surface crew can kind of control things for them. But right, getting in that hole, just like getting off the back of a boat, you don't necessarily want to immediately start plummeting to the bottom. right? You've got to be able to get in and be in control and make sure you're not tangled up in the line, make sure whoever's with you in the water isn't tangled up in that line. And some of the holes you go in, there might be a bottom pretty close to where the hole is cut. So standing, whacking around with your feet, just churning up the bottom right there, making just a terrible viz entry is going to take away from all the fun of why you're there. Well, I got a question for you. So it says you need good visibility, or good visibility. It says you need... Uh, good buoyancy control. Tell me a, a type of diving you don't need good buoyancy control. <laughs> I can't think of any diving where you, you're like, yeah, you don't really need buoyancy control. I, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I, I think that what he's trying to make clear here is this is why we need this to be like an advanced level class. Wow. It shouldn't yeah. be something that uh, you did your weekend class while you're on the cruise and now i'm going to come back you know because it is winter time and i really got that bug of diving <laughs> when i was down with on that little stop off in jamaica let's try this ice class yeah if you've never dived in a dry suit it's a tough time to learn uh in the ice <laughs> or under yeah, right. the ice i should say but he says also consider starting your ice diving season early where you can dive under a thin layer of ice that can be broken with relative ease in case you need to crash through the surface in a pinch. I don't know about that no, mentality. I don't, necessarily <laughs> know, I don't necessarily know about that. Uh, I would say uh, have good awareness and uh, have some good training. So that isn't a scenario that you need to do. But I, I get his point a little bit. Um, he, he says that the entry and exit need to take place from shore where ice is thin and will not support the weight of the diver on the surface crew. That is something to consider. Like I can do an ice dive, you know, from shore where, where we can break it up, but still you need to be able to get back to that exact hole because I know of stories of people that tried to do just that thinking that they could just crash through because the ice was so thin. And then when they got out to where they wanted to crash through and it was, a lot thicker than the thin spot. Yes, yeah. The, and there was no crashing through. The ice thickness isn't uniform throughout the dive site where you're going to be. I can promise you it's not uniform. I don't know if that's something to plan for. I really don't think that's a great idea. Right. And then the very opposite of that is a lot of lakes have movement to the water so that so where you think it's still going to be thick, it ends up being very, very thin. Yeah, I mean, we have personal stories going to the lake, and there's a, there's ice there in the lake, right? But it's not at the shore so much, so you can you can go in there and get under the ice and dive under it. The problem is that ice is floating and moving, and uh, the strong winds were closing up that entryway. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. Scary. There's there's many stories out there of sheets of ice that move, and you, you never really think about it until you're under that ice and go... Son of a... <laughs> Oh wow! This ice moves. <laughs> Is that's that how you not allowed? It? That's not allowed to happen. I don't. Right I don't think you're. Like, oh wow! This ice moves, dude. You're just more like, oh shit! We got to get out of here. <laughs> and then also the other side of that, like just like walking on that ice. Like we've done jobs where we've mm-hmm. had to go out and recover vehicles that somebody thought it was nine <laughs> inches of ice everywhere where that ice goes from nine inches to nine millimeters and they've crashed through. So you got to be aware of that Yeah, in your planning, no doubt about it. Yeah, which reminds me, we're going to walk out and find that wreck on Friday evening, uh, not drive the quad out because I want to check the ice out before we're driving a thousand pound quad out to the... I'm uh, with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, we don't need that. with you. Yes, I'm. We're not going to be those guys. <laughs> no, no. At least walk out and take a bird's eye view. He says ice diving is a truly unique type of diving that offers experiences that no other form of scuba diving can. All diving requires consideration for conditions into which you descend, and like any dive, if you've got the fundamentals down, there are no worries. Ice diving is no different. Yeah, every dive you need to have buoyancy control every dive you need to have gas planning and gas management and teammate awareness and ice diving is no different in that respect yeah all diving is basically the fundamentals right i mean we we go into this and not to go on a tangent but all diving is just the fundamentals and jacked up a little bit here and there yeah some some uh some need a little bit more finesse on each of those basic points of fundamental learning mm-hmm. but it's still you're in an underwater world it's to what degree do i got to take those fundamental basics right okay where can you go ice diving brando uh where there's ice where there's <laughs> anywhere <laughs> well i wouldn't say anywhere it's cold enough for the ice to right. freeze or the water to freeze right grand cayman what... you're going to be challenged Unless you're diving into a Cayman disaster, a cold, icy Cayman disaster cocktail. That sounds delicious about now. I know. I'm actually <laughs> thinking that might be a better idea than just driving four hours up north. Well, I would be lying if... Uh... How about a four-hour flight to Grand Cayman instead? I was going to say I, uh, I would be lying if I said that... Uh... I didn't, at every single ice dive, have the flash of, why don't we just fuck this and uh, go to the pub and talk about it, right? Every would, single ice dive. <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah, yeah, like, I wouldn't uh, be telling the truth here if I, if I didn't say that every single ice dive, I say to myself, what the hell am I thinking? All it takes is one person to, to suggest it, and I'm like, oh, sure, okay, well, if you really want to. <laughs> You want to blow this off? All right, that's a great idea. <laughs> it's probably the right thing to do. I got some pictures of this very dive. We'll go look at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the right thing to do. Let's. Uh, I just happened to notice one on the way in. <laughs> Let's go. He mentions Iceland, Canada, Norway, Russia, Finland, Sweden, and the United States have regular ice diving traditions with dive centers catering to beginners. Old Tomas mentions that you can take a paddy polar specialty course, which can only be done in Greenland, Spitzenberg, Spitz, Spitzbergen, and Antarctica. Speaking of Antarctica, he says, it's worth mentioning McMurdo Sound, voted top ice diving site. How many people only have really dove it? Dived well, it. Yeah, I don't know if you would call it the top ice diving site because it's so remote nearly impossible to get to right i mean how do you how do you get to antarctica to go diving for under twenty thousand dollars that's (laughs) that's a little bit more than a (laughs) yeah i'm like how many people are voting in this poll and of the people voting how many went here or maybe the prereq doesn't contain the you know you needed to have dived it so people are just saying yeah voted it by pictures that could be 
Yeah, I think you're right. Because but I'm surprised a, Union Lake isn't on there, to be honest. I'm, well, our, our awesome pictures from under Union Lake and uh, the dive we're going to go up and do up in uh, Charlevoix. That's some beautiful stuff that you can do. Sure, you might not have penguins and leopard seals and squid, etc., and 900 <laughs> feet of visibility in this 35-mile-long wide stretch of water in Antarctica that you're diving in Antarctica's summer that you can only dive it in. With, with megafauna present and other strange creatures not found anywhere else on Earth. 900 but- feet of visibility. Nine, that does sound pretty remar- that sounds pretty remarkable. I will hundred feet. That's that's challenging cave diving visibility. You know, nine hundred feet of visibility is almost too good. Like <laughs> it's exactly I don't think I'd I don't, even I don't think I'd enjoy here. it. I don't think I'd be able to enjoy it fully. I I'd I'd take it for granted. I would uh I'd wear a patch on one eye just to kind of impede my own vis- my own ability to see. I'd be like, is this really 900? I mean, it seems like barely 850 to me. Exactly. This is way off. Who said 900? I'm killing them. All right, let's get to some fun stuff. He talks about some ice diving equipment and planning that we need. Needless to say, ice diving takes place in very cold environments, so all equipment used must be suited for this. And a good portion of sealed equipment is also needed. We're going to run this down for you very thoroughly, he says, as the difference between a good experience and a bad one can come down to something as meager as an extra pair of socks. And ain't that the truth? Yeah. The, when you consider the typical ice dive that somebody does, 20 to 30 minutes maybe. Right. right? Before you're so cold, even with the warmest and the best of, of thermal protection, after about 30 minutes, you're, you're probably not in the this is really fun phase anymore. You're, your mind is probably on this is getting uncomfortable phase. And for the 30 minutes that you're doing under the ice, you've spent hour, hours outside in the cold getting ready. And you've got an hour, if not hours, after the dive before you're warming up in a nice toasty pub with a with a hot bowl of soup and sandwich and like really in a comfortable warm place again, right? Right. I was going to say this is where the benefit of uh, experienced instructor slash instructors teaching this class because they'll know what to bring and know what to tell you to bring, like extra clothes in case something gets wet. You have a small leak and. You know, your dry suit, bring the extra undergarment if you can, or, or just extra socks at the very least and extra dry gloves, right? I mean, all these little things that uh, you've learned through experience and you're out in the middle of the ice, it's not easy just to run back to your car and get things or run, you know, run home. It's, uh, it's uh, That equipment list is uh, extensive, but you don't want it to be too much. So you need somebody with experience teaching you. Yeah, it's a fine balance. Yeah. It, especially depending on how far out you got to go, there's a fine line between not having enough and the workload of bringing too much. Right. I notice uh, one of the most important pieces of equipment uh, that doesn't get mentioned a lot, but I think it's very important, is that St. Bernard with the little whiskey barrel under his uh, (laughs) neck, Uh, just in case. (laughs) I know that's for skiing, but I thought I'd steal it. call him Johan. Johan. He's my St. Bernard, Johan. Johan. Johan von Schnitzelberger. Yeah, I like him. I need a little snifter. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Uh, I need old, a little nip. That Bugs Bunny cartoon with uh, the St. Bernard that goes up and right, yes. finds the people, and then he pulls out a little bar out of his little barrel <laughs> under his neck, and he yeah. starts shaking martinis, pouring them. <laughs> well, That's I what I'm talking that- about. That, now we're ice diving. Now we're ice diving, boys <laughs> and ladies. Uh, I, I I think that you should go into ice diving knowing 100% I can guarantee you that on any ice dive that you do, somebody will get colder mm-hmm. and will get wetter than they had ever expected they would. So 
having warm, dry change mm-hmm. is mandatory. Because it's it might not happen to you, but somebody's going to get wetter than they intended to before the dive. Somebody's going to get colder than they intended to by the end of the dive. You have to go in being prepared for that. Well, yeah. Uh, you look at this dive that we're going to do, which is out in the middle of a pretty good-sized lake. And yeah, you're an easy half mile, if not more, from shore. Yeah, you're out there. Um, the last time we did this dive... I think the wind chill was well below, you know, well below 10 degrees below zero. It was just bitter cold. And the, the thought that goes through my mind is if we didn't have all the prep that we had done at that dive, just went out there ice diving, anything goes wrong, somebody's dead from hypothermia, you know, just being able to get back there. Just, yeah, just the elements back. alone are yeah. going to be yeah overwhelming yeah i think if you didn't have it you know we took the quad and dragged everything out there and set up a warming shelter and we had heaters and all that in case of an emergency and you need to warm someone up quick if somebody falls in that water or has a catastrophic uh dry suit failure like jumps in with their zipper open or something <laughs> or falls right in. right which is totally different than doing an ice dive Close to shore where the, the parking lot and the cars are, you know, a, a minute and a half walk. Right. Totally different ball game. Yeah. Both, both you need to be aware of the possibilities of that stuff, but to take care of uh, any emergency in one, one situation versus the other. Well, sure. It's, uh, it's like how you would go about planning a dive. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I mean, a lot of people plan a dive with the assumption of I just look at my computer so I don't get the bends and that's what's going to you know, keep me safe. Well, it's, it's different when you're, you know, diving in a location where it's a five minute, you know, uh, ride to the hospital and recompression chamber mm-hmm. versus you're on a boat. That's a day and a half boat ride from land. Right. Uh, you, you gotta, you'd have to plan how you do each of those dives differently. Yeah. What would you do in the case of an emergency? How would you handle it? What's, what's in place to, at least get you to some yeah. place. So you, you would think about those dives differently than just wait for my computer to clear my safety stop, mm-hmm. you know, in one place versus another. He mentions here that both the divers and the surface crew need to dress appropriately for the cold weather on the surface, right? That we've been talking about. Making a plan for how and where the diver will change into dry clothes. All very important stuff. Heated shelters, something maybe similar that you need on shore. And consider setting up the day before to simplify your tasks on the dive day, especially the more and more remote of a place that you get. Right. Like we did, went out a couple years ago and did that dive where they had, it was a pretty small private lake, so they were able to have a whole entire surface tent, the whole cut Mm -hmm. day before, all protected. So that you could really just show up on dive day, right, and get right in the water and go. Yeah. So, the, how much time you have available for your ice diving? <laughs> Don't underestimate is my my word of advice there. If you think uh, it's just going to be a couple hours, I would say think again. It's a it's a day long adventure. No doubt about it. Yeah, and you require a lot of people to run it, and you need basically. I like to have like a surface manager. You know, when we would teach. We'd both be in the water, but we'd need a dive master up on the surface doing the surface management because it's a round robin of divers, right? Yeah, yeah. You need you need a lot of support, especially to do it by the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Minimum, if you're doing it by the book, you need six people to do a dive. Oh, yeah. For one person to go diving, you kind of need six people. Well, you need a standby diver. You need tenders for the diver in the water and the, and the standby diver. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot, lot to manage to, to right. be able to get a, a a good dive in. As far as dive gear goes, Tomas mentions there are some small additions to the gear needed for ice diving. Many dive centers will rent out ice diving gear, but because the market for winter scuba diving isn't as robust as during the warmer months, you may have to invest in dry suits, which are a key piece of the kit. A critical and absolute necessary component to staying warm. Hoods and gloves that are adequately warm are important too, he says. Dry versions of both should be considered. 
And he mentions here that an adequately warm means adequately thick. So check to make sure that there's no holes in the suit, a quick release BCD, a torch, Vaseline are all recommended items. What's going on there? <laughs> With the Vaseline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know some people like to, uh, where they put it around their, their lips or whatever when they right, go under yeah. and it's supposed to not, I don't know. Have you tried that? Have you ever done that? I've never done it. Yeah. I, I've, I, no, I've got a, I've got a stick of some chapstick ready for after because that cold water is going to swell up the old, old smoochers. Yeah. No doubt about it. So after, eh? after that dive. <laughs> Did you get that you, from your vampire erotica? <laughs> I was going to say, no, no. is there a little scene in your vampire erotica about Vaseline on the lips? There might be. Might be. <laughs> Sorry. But no, uh, prepping for some chapped lips after the dive is a definite consideration. Now, he's got something in here that I would say is borderline ludicrous. Ludicrous. When he mentions wetsuits can also be used as long as the hood and gloves are at least five millimeters thick. Ludicrous, eh? You don't hear that word too often. Uh, Spaceballs. Is that were you watching Spaceballs recently? Ludicrous speed. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> ludicrous speed. We're, we're taking this gone. dive to ludicrous. <laughs> ludicrous temperatures. May the Schwartz be with us. Yeah. Now, with again, there's this caveat, right? I would say that a wetsuit is not an option for the dive we're going to do this weekend because you're so far out in the middle of an opened, windy area. Now to do it like to do it on a, like a shore dive ice dive like we've done many a times where the car is literally a stone's throw away, different game. Yeah, uh, I I'd agree. I I mean, if somebody were coming, I were running a class, I would say, um, no, you need a dry suit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm like, not dealing it, with it. Dry dry suits are so readily available, and, and especially today. I mean, sure, in 1980, 1990. You know, not everybody that was diving cold water was diving a dry suit. I get it, but for the for the safety of everybody involved, and just for like the the liability on the instructor's end of, of putting that person through what you got to go through to spend a day diving, look, wear a dry suit, man, for crying out loud. Agreed, agreed. It's just no fun. It's not even fun for the you know the people that are in dry suits around the person with the wet suit. Cringing. <laughs> yeah, and then like w- when they get out of the water, you don't just get to go sit in the car and warm up. No, if you're especially if you're doing a class, you've got another job to do. Now you're moving to tender mm-hmm. for the next half hour hour, or you're moving to safety diving for the next hour to hour. So it's it's not that I'm tough enough; I can muscle through this cold water for a thirty minute dive. Just toughen up. Yeah. That's not w- the 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 concern that I have with diving in a wetsuit. It's all the other stuff that you got to contend with. Oh yeah. And that, the things that, that could think happen. About. Yeah. yeah. As ice diving happens, he says, with an essentially confined environment, double tanks should be used. And all regulators should be cold water certified and well serviced to avoid freezing and free flowing. And that's still no guarantee. I don't ca- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, right, I'm telling you, I don't care how much of a cold water ice diving, ice ready regulator you have. Any regulator can freeze, mm-hmm. and it has to do with what you do on the surface before the dive begins, more so than the cold water. Right, yeah, mine, uh, mine free flow. Did yours free flow a little, uh, the last Kuka? Mine, mine did. I had to actually put it in the water to thaw it out. Right. Yeah, it was w- wicked cold that day. He says ice divers are typically tethered. With a lifeline tied to a harness worn on top of the dry suit, but underneath the BC unit. This allows for easy communication and relocation in case of an emergency. So if you're wearing a typical jacket, quick, re- you know, quick release, shoulder adjustable BCDs, yeah, you're going to need a 
webbing harness, an unbreakable webbing harness to officially be clipped and tethered to in the case of an emergency of needing to be pulled back to that hole. Yeah, those plastic buckles and clips, e-clips, they can, uh, they can break, especially when it's cold. But uh, you'll be dragging back just a BCD unit with a, t- with a tank and rag if you attach it to that. Yes, which gives you something to you know, consider about you know, be, you know, needing to be pulled in, making sure you're not in you know, 50 feet of water, 40 feet of water when you're tugging on that line for a, a pull to just get rocketed up to the surface. And again, that's that awareness of, of diving experience that you need before you get in the water and, and ice dive. Now, he talks about an ice penetration kit, right? You definitely need a snow shovel to clear away the snow before getting through the ice. And once the ice is cleared, he mentions an ice saw or a chainsaw is often necessary to cut through the ice and make that entry exit hole. He says you can use an axe, but it's going to take longer to get through the ice. But you look pretty cool with the axe. I always like to have an axe just for photo ops. I think that's a great idea is you have the axe, you cut it with the chainsaw or the ice saw, but you have the axe just sitting out there. Maybe chop a few blocks around the edge, you know. I think the ice saw, if you've got one of the big Big hand ice saws, often... They're the best ice cutting tool because the teeth are so enormous. Yeah, they do a pretty good job. They do a pretty good job. It's a little physically demanding. I mean, you're you're sweating. You're sweating. Yeah, but you know what? You're sweating and you're getting water everywhere with that chainsaw too. So, oh, it's... true, true. You got a point. Yeah, I I always say the same thing. The chainsaw is almost as much work as the uh, the ice saw. He mentions that ice diving procedures involve teamwork to make it safe, right? And we've been talking about that a lot today already is how much human capital is needed for a person to go diving, right? To, to just jump in the water and go, you're not, you're not doing a solo ice dive. No, no. Even if you were doing a solo dive under the ice, it wasn't a solo ice dive. You, you've, you've had a lot of other people there with you, helping you just get everything ready to go. He says, ice diving is a team sport that requires more than just one diver, but also a surface crew. Often the diver will enter the water alone, but be tethered to the surface and to the exit hole through the lifeline mentioned above. But there's a line tender that stands by the exit hole and feeds line and reels it in as needed. And he mentions sometimes there's a strong current can conceal ice or um, he says sometimes a strong current can conceal itself under the ice, presenting the diver with a nasty surprise. This is where experience comes in handy and someone who knows the waters into which you're jumping. It's wise until you get some experience on your own, right? We just did a story a a year or so about uh, an ice lesson learned very similar to that, right? Yeah, getting swept swept away under the ice. It's not fun. Okay, so he also talks about communication, right? There's a system of communication between the diver and the line tender, which are the, the pull signals that you're using on that tether line that you right. have, right? Right. And he says here that typically one tug is used for okay by both the diver and the tem- tender, similar to the okay sign in scuba. Two tugs for take in the rope and a series of rapid tugs used to signal an emergency. If this happens, the tender immediately starts reeling in the rope, pulling the diver towards the exit, right? Pretty simple pull signals. And again, you got to be aware, like that emergency signal, <laughs> you got to be aware of that exit and why you're getting pulled in. You know, in an, you know, emergency is an emergency. I get it. But if you're in... 40 plus feet of water and just start you get tugging, right? <laughs> tugging because you're cold and want to come yeah. in and somebody rockets you out of the hole. And it's different from being up at the surface, right? And having a leak and getting pulled in. Yeah. You got to, that discipline with the line, it, it's something you have to learn and get some experience with. You can't let too much slack in there because say you do have an emergency and you're yanking away and there's slack. Well, they don't feel it at the uh, surface side of the tether. 
Right, which is why the, the, an important part of the class is spending time on that tender rope, so that you get the you get the feel for that as well. I mean, that's an important job up there, being able to signal to somebody in the water. Yeah, knowing when to just let it out and when to uh, keep it taut and when to bring it in nice and easy, all that kind of stuff. So just take some practice. Take somebody who's done it before. And the the pull signals in an ice class are going to be very simple. I, I know like in a lot of commercial environments, they've got a whole, you know, they got a whole lesson on different hand signals. Well, pull signals. And yeah, because it goes into combinations like three, three dash two poles, you know, uh, send down a wrench or whatever. Uh, <laughs> no joke. It's, there's a combination right, right. of poles and, uh, it's like a page of different combinations of tether poles. Yeah, like there's emergency signals in commercial of two poles, two poles, two poles, or three poles, three poles, three poles, or right. But there's, I mean, there's, there's like three day. The ones I recall, because before we ever went in the water, we had to put the goddamn helmet on our heads, and we weren't using super lights. We were using like a desk, the Deathco pot, or the Swindells or whatever, which are heavy, mother effing helmets. So we had to go out in the parking lot, hook up with the helmet, and hook the tether, you know, hook the the gas in even, and uh, go out and practice line pole signals blindfold you know they blind out the mask so they right. send you out and, and navigate you through with just line signals um just stuff like that so you had to have that all memorized and you had to work with it, it because it takes some experience it takes a little bit of uh using it to get to use it correctly obviously yeah and for an ice diver doing like your typical scuba agency ice diver class it's pretty simple and recreational based simple hand signals are you okay yeah i'm okay hey give me some more rope take in some more rope or i need to get out right now i have an emergency no need to go a signal for i'm gonna turn to the left now hey i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna check my gauge now He says a fully equipped safety diver should be standing by at the surface with a line tethered to him or her. In case of an emergency, the safety diver can jump in and come to the aid of the ice diver. In addition to these roles, other surface crew members might be there to assist the diver when exiting and getting in and out of the dive kit and getting warmed up afterward as well as keeping their eyes open for any shifts in the ice that may pose a threat for the diver or other members of the team. All key parts, right? We talked about having that surface manager up on top. right? If you have that in your dive team, that's a huge advantage. Keeping some hot water going, keeping some warm food going, keeping the shelter going, having the awareness of right when we we talked about that ice shift that we experienced years ago and if we wouldn't have had somebody up on on surface aware of that to to get the attention as as quickly as possible that could have turned into a far more horrific day yeah yeah the surface you forgot about bartender but uh i'm kidding yes i'm kidding you need those uh hot toddies (laughs) ready ready for when it's done A quick uh, pick-me-up, but, um, yeah. Johan! <laughs> Johan! Yeah. Cannot under... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that cartoon now. Right. Uh, but you can't stress the, overstress the importance of a, a good surface manager, because that will make the day go smooth versus being a pain in the ass. Like if I got to get out of this hole and help you out, ugh, dude, that is a that is a a motivation killer, a spirit killer. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, as, like as the instructor to have to get out of the hole, like is just because as much work as it takes, you're already cold and miserable. Now you got to get out. You're probably gonna have to take your gloves off. Hands are gonna get wet and cold because the wind's blowing. 
that just set you back, not the 10 minutes it took to cover and deal with that issue that came up. It sets you back exponentially because of something like that. He talks about gas management should be a a major priority. Using the same rules as in other overhead environments like cave diving, typically one-third for the swim out, one-third for the swim back, and one-third for back up. Now, again, that all works for a lot of situations, but not every situation. You got to have an understanding of where you're physically at in the water for the dive that you're doing. Sometimes thirds make sense. Sometimes it's not, it's not enough. quite enough. Yeah, it's not enough. So that all needs to be taken into account as to where you're diving. Are you strictly at the surface because you're just playing around under the ice or are you going to depth as well as being under the surface? Yeah, if you're, if you're just at the surface too, I mean, you'll have a tough time hitting thirds. <laughs> Unless right. you're a real air hog, but yeah, gas hog. But yeah, but it, it needs to be a conversation that you have prior Ab- to the dive. Right? That's part of the proper planning. Absolutely. And he closes off to say that to really appreciate ice diving, check out the shenanigans of these crazy fins who play at being upside down during an ice dive in the dead of winter. And he's got a you know uh, one of the old <laughs> funny ice diver videos. Yeah, this is a that classic. Is actually trick photography shot with uh you know they're upside down yeah but it's not that much of a trick you just <laughs> you just flip it up you can flip it upside down and post but yeah it's just flipped upside down but yeah it's pretty yeah. cool it's pretty cool i remember cool when it video. came out and uh, i was like that that was a creative person or people and uh and they put put some work in on it so we yeah so we should sit up put a li- we'll have a link to this article on our page, right? Yeah. We can throw yeah, this I'll link throw the in. Link up. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You, can, you can watch this uh, fishing fishing under the ice video. It's a cute little video. That's a fun one, little watch, which is what you're doing uh, on ice dives, right? Is is Especially if you're doing a dive that's just in open water, you're just under the ice to be under the ice. You're there for fun, right? You're playing with the bubbles on the surface. Uh, you're enjoying... Your computer might not even go into dive mode. It might think you're on the surface the whole time because you're literally in a foot of water. Right. I mean, that's, I think, the last dozen ice dives I've done. You know, I just want to get photos, and I need the ice in the picture and uh, the the environment right. Otherwise we I have. Could, right. I'm right yeah. there. Yeah. Otherwise, we could come back and do this dive when it's 30 degrees warmer. <laughs> Exactly. And you won't be able to tell the difference. But if you want pictures, if you want the photos of, of the actual dive that, that show it, you're on a nice dive, you're, you're spending time at the surface or at least close to the surface. Right, right. Unless you have 900 feet of viz that you can go down, you know, like McMurdo. 899 feet. <laughs> and get those shots, yeah. And still have the ice in them. Yes. Maybe next year, old... Mars rover Perseverance will find <laughs> our ice on Mars so we can do our ice dive there next year. Yeah, we can schedule that. But trip. in the meantime, people, send us some pictures of your ice diving experiences. Your send us a picture of your ice holes. <laughs> well, that's the downside of ice diving is you're working with ice holes. Yeah. It is. But you you always there's always there's always an ice hole you got to deal with. Yeah. When you go ice <laughs> Farging ice holes. So on that note, we so, uh, on that note, look forward to uh, diving this weekend, right? Actually, when yeah, this yeah, comes out, we'll be en route. We'll be, we'll be on our way up. Yeah. So we are going to enjoy a weekend of ice diving. We hope you guys enjoy a weekend of ice diving. Like I said, share your pictures, share your ice diving photos with us on our Facebook or email or social media somewhere. Uh, of the past or or this weekend's dives if you get a couple in. And we will talk to you guys next week. You ready to sign some logbooks, Brandon? Well, I was just going to add that. Uh, if add you, away, my man. If you can't make an ice dive this weekend, on Monday nights we have our Zoom meetings. 
where you can do an ice dive a with your favorite, right? With your favorite bourbon poured on the rocks, uh, with the Great Dive Podcast friends and family members. <laughs> There you go. That actually sounds like an even better ice dive than the one we're going to do this weekend. I hear the Viz is better than 900 feet on those dives. <laughs> yes. Well, until until that third bourbon. <laughs> it starts to get a little, a little blurry in there. Then the Viz gets a little little, uh, little rough. All right, give me your right. book. Here you go. Randall, that was really fun to dive. Let's do it again. All right, safe diving, folks. Safe diving. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Blah, 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 blah.